Hey, Retrospectors, for our third birthday, we've filmed an hour-long Q&A answering your questions. We discuss our favourite facts, how we make the show, and what we've learned along the way. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, thank you. You can watch it right now at patreon.com slash retrospectors. And if you're not a Patreon member, sign up. You don't have to pay a thing to become a free member and watch it now. So check it out. It's free. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. It's March 21st, 1963, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. The last prisoner to leave Alcatraz was a man named Frank Weatherman, a violent thief who, when he arrived back at the San Francisco dock on this day in 1963, was met by a huge crowd of reporters who pushed forward to ask him what he thought of the rock. He thought for a minute and then replied, Alcatraz was never no good for nobody. And what really surprised me was that Alcatraz had actually only been operating as a civilian prison for about 30 years. In my head, it was this, you know, this institution of the American penal system. But it actually, although its history was quite Mm. long, it was built in the 1850s and then it was a military prison for many, many years. But it was only actually converted to house civilian convicts in the 1930s. So it was actually a pretty short-lived experiment. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's still basically the brand name of maximum security prisons, isn't it? You can reference Alcatraz in a joke and people know, out of context, that you're talking about a place that's that you can't escape from that houses like serious criminals and yet it's now been closed for double the 29 years it was open and actually that experimental nature that you mentioned Rebecca that was kind of the thing that led to its downfall specifically its extreme isolation its most touted advantage which was the thing that caused its daily operating costs to be far higher than any other federal prison all across the nation and an investigation in 1959 revealed that it cost $10 per day at Alcatraz to run the prison against a sort of com- comparable federal facility which cost about $3 per day. So in the end, it was kind of its expense based on the fact that they had it so far away from the mainland that you couldn't, you know, you had to swim to get off this damn thing that was the thing that undid Well, it. so they claim and still claim if you go onto the US federal prisons website, you know, they say it was the budget, that was the reason, exactly the thing you just said, oh, it's three times more expensive than running a normal prison. But it is worth noting (laughs) that until 1962, which was the year before this, every person who tried to escape from Alcatraz had been caught, killed, or was believed to have drowned. But then in 1962, Mm. three people, Franklin Morris and the two Anglin brothers, made it out alive never to be found. They were presumed dead because some of their possessions washed up on shore, but their family maintained for decades afterwards that that was a decoy and actually they'd escaped and they never found their bodies. They never knew what happened to them. And that was a huge embarrassment for the authorities that were running this supposedly inescapable prison. And if if it's not doing the main thing it's designed to do, which is keep people within it, then it is hard to justify the cost. It is true that there was a testimonial in Washington before they escaped in which it was advised that Alcatraz should be shut down for budgetary reasons. So you can't link the two things and say one led to the other. But I do wonder if you're making the final rubber stamp decision on this, a high profile escape (laughs) might push you over the edge into that decision, no? It's true. And even the fact that so many people had tried to escape, and I have no idea how many people try to escape from your average prison, but it does seem like if you're getting up into the sort of high dozens, that this is a thing that is potentially escapable. You know, people were getting off this thing and they were swimming some of the distance. And that seems like reason enough to sort of doubt it. According to FBI documents of the time, up to 80 of the inmates knew about that escape plan, either like helped facilitate it or were aware of it. 
So, you know, three of them escape, one of them failed. So but you're still left with 76 people in there who potentially might try and repeat it. Yeah, and I suppose in the end, there was a combination of those factors. You know, it's not so bad to pay so much overhead per prisoner if you're 100% sure that they can't escape. But when the escape attempts start building up, it becomes unjustifiable. But the, the reason that there was a demand in the first place for an escape-proof prison like Alcatraz was because in the 1920s and the early 30s, you'd had the rise of all these gangsters linked to prohibition, bootleggers, you had outlaws, you know, Pretty Boy Floyd, Bonnie and Clyde were in the headlines. And there was this idea that there were these high level criminals who were pretty shameless and who couldn't be reformed and who were sort of flaunting their notoriety. So there was this idea that there was a need for somewhere where these sort of incorrigible bad guys could be held separate from the rest of the prison population. And so Alcatraz, in fact, for its whole lifespan, nobody was sentenced to go to Alcatraz. You began your sentence at a different prison and then you could be transferred to Alcatraz if you were a repeat escape attempter, if you were causing trouble at the other prisons. And also you couldn't be released from Alcatraz as well. You had to be transferred back to a different prison and then possibly released from there. Well, actually, Frank Weatherman, who Arian referenced as being the last man to walk off Alcatraz, he was a violent criminal. He was an armed robber, but he'd only robbed a bank. He was serving 10 years. Mm. It wasn't like he was on the scale of Al Capone. The reason he got transferred to Alcatraz was he tried to bring a gun in to the prison where he was. And so it's like a deterrent for all the other prisoners in the conventional prison, isn't it? Do that, you're going to Alcatraz. Yeah. And another really good case in point is perhaps Alcatraz's most famous resident, Al Capone. There was this massive interest in Al Capone throughout the whole time that he was there. Apparently newspapers used to be just phoning daily going, like, how is it today? What's the weather like on the rock? And what job assignment is Al Capone doing at the moment? But he was transferred there because his previous prison, the Federal Penitentiary in Atlanta, uh, was this place that he was able to impact the guards so significantly that he had this sort of bed room that had his own expensive furnishings in it and he had like a, a carpeted cell and he had his own radio that the guards would come and sit and listen to um, their favorite programs and chat with him so he really had this incredibly cushy life but once he was transferred over to Alcatraz it did get significantly different and he even said later it looks like Alcatraz has got me licked that said the food was good Uh, (laughs) The prison warden was said to believe in the dictum that uh, most trouble in prison is caused by bad food. Yeah, they had so many courses. It was crazy. It was very, like, even the breakfast, you had a sort of continental and hot option. Christmas menu, 1935. (laughs) Albeit this is a festive day. But this is what you could eat in the Alcatraz kitchens, right? Consomme, stuffed (laughs) celery, green olives... Roast turkey with cranberry sauce and candied sweet potatoes with raisin nut dressing. I mean, that sounds like a menu from a posh hotel of the day, doesn't it? Has anyone considered whether this uh, massive food budget and the consomme alone was what was blowing the finances out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were in, they had to import all the fresh water as well. Yeah. All the drinking water had to be imported because obviously it's in San Francisco Bay. It's seawater. And for some, I don't know why, but maybe it was to do with the technology at the time, but there was no desalination plant on the island, so everything had to be brought in by barge so you know down to the smallest items so yeah Mm. I mean they could have maybe stood to cut back on the exotic ingredients and inmates also had access to uh, monthly movies and a library with 15,000 books and 75 uh, magazines that came in uh, week to week but it did feature for the 1930s very state-of-the-art security features it had metal detectors the bars were all made of what was called tool proof steel although there are a couple of instances where prisoners did manage to saw through it They had tear gas canisters implanted around the dining hall. 
so that they could be launched if any riots started because they tend to start in Messels because that's where all the prisoners are together. And they had remotely operated mm. cell locks as well, which I didn't even know they had in the 1930s. As a kid, I had a T-shirt <laughs> that read, Property of Alcatraz, Reject Too Cute, which I think must have been bought for me <laughs> by one of my parents' friends who visited. <laughs> the souvenirs are amazing. I've been. Have you been to Alcatraz? It's no, an amazing, I would recommend genuinely recommend it. if ever you go to like even if you if ever you go to California, it's worth the trip. Especially if you're in San Francisco, I've been twice, <clears throat> and it's just a genuinely kind of haunting thing to do. I mean, it's obviously a tourist trap, and you know millions of people visit it each year, and there are the souvenirs and everything else. But they still regulate the amount of people who can walk around for health and safety reasons, I guess. So you have a moment to go and stand in an Alcatraz prison cell and think, mm-hmm. and. It is resonant with what happened there, not just because of, you know, the audio guide and the images on the wall and everything, but because you can just feel. You know, when you go to a place where something bad has happened, it just has that vibe. Um, and of course, it's a spectacular place anyway, because you're in the middle of the sea. Although all of that gravitas is a little bit undermined by some of the bells and whistles they attach to the place, including the fact that now you can do a 1.5-mile swim uh, annually during the Escape from Alcatraz triathlon, wow. which takes... So After this day, on the 22nd of March, 1963, do you know who went in to the cell house for the first time? It's not Nicolas Cage. Go on. <laughs> it was the wives and children of the men who'd worked in Alcatraz as prison guards because they'd lived on the rock along with their husbands who were serving in the prison, some of them for decades, without, of course, ever being able to go into this building, which was the reason they were all there. So oh, wow. they had this weird tour the next day where the prison guards took their wives and kids around where just the day before they'd been the highest level American prisoners. And then they had a kind of family event. And this is our banjo room, and here's where we prepare the consummate. (laughs) Tomorrow. And the king was trying to say, no, no, come on, guys. Like, there's nothing wrong with a bit of vaulting. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.